0: How is everyone doing today? I hope you're having a great day. You're listening to seven jars of hot pickled peppers, a podcast about discovering your strength, resilience, acceptance, perhaps even finding your new path after a stroke or life altering event. I'm Christine, your host and a stroke survivor. It took me a while to accept the new me after my stroke. And my goal is to help others on their journey along with the whole 7 Jars team. Why the name? The new me absolutely loves hot pickled peppers. Well, let's get to it.
1: Hi, I'm Ken. Welcome to 7 Jars of Hot Pickled Peppers, Season 2, Episode 2, Calgary Stroke Programme. The information and advice provided by Seven Jars of Hot Pickled Peppers, Ken and Christine Jackson, the speakers and commentators on their podcasts, interviews and references in their book are not a substitute for the advice and treatment plan provided by your own healthcare professional. Further, it's not intended to be an adjunct to any existing or proposed advice or treatment plan you may currently be receiving from your healthcare professional. One of the most important things we've come to realize is that each individual in their family's journey through stroke or a major life event and its recovery is truly unique. The story and information provided uh, by ourselves and our guests is solely intended to let you and your family know that one, you're not alone. Other people and families have gone through or are going through similar experiences. Two, there are resources available that you may not be aware of that may help you and your family through the stroke recovery process. And three, there may be other treatment options available. Again, please consult your healthcare professional regarding your treatment plan and do not follow the treatment plans that are addressed in the information that we have provided as it is solely intended and directed for Christine and her continuing care. Thank you. Now it's time for Quote of the Cast. Wherever the art of medicine is loved, there is also a love of humanity. Hippocrates.
0: I was so fortunate in the care and medical help I received during and after my stroke. The team really cared about me as a whole person, not just my stroke. My neurologist and a whole team of people were there to help me every step of the way, and they're still there for me. They helped me medically and with my physical recovery, mental, emotional health, throughout my journey of acceptance to the new me my stroke had brought about. Now... We've heard about another amazing stroke program that is providing excellent care to anyone who has experienced an acquired brain injury and is one of the leaders in the future of stroke care. There's a funny story, though. I heard about this amazing stroke program from my sister, Cammie, who lives in Niagara Falls, Ontario. Cammie is a nurse practitioner, and she actually did a podcast for us in Season 1, Episode 6. Hopefully our interview today will let others know about this amazing stroke program right here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada.
1: With us today, we're fortunate to have two guests. Samantha Arnott is the program manager for the Calgary Stroke Program. Samantha brings with her many years of experience as a Neuro-Nurse before commencing the Program Manager position at the Foothills Hospital. Also with us today is Dr. Andrew Demchuk. He's an Associate Professor at the Department of Clinical Neurosciences for the Cummings School of Medicine, University of Calgary. He's also a Stroke Neurologist and a Director of the Calgary Stroke Program, Alberta Health Services. Dr. Demchuk's primary research interests focus on vascular imaging. In addition to his research and clinical activities, Dr. Demchuk is a member on a number of local, national, and international committees focusing on stroke. He's a past board chair of the Heart and Stroke Foundation of Alberta and the Northwest Territories.
0: Calgary, Alberta at the Foothills Medical Center with the Calgary Stroke Program. We have Dr. Demchuk and Samantha Arnett. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's an honor to have a leading stroke program with us.
2: Thank you. Thank you very
0: much. So first, Dr. Demchuk, you are the program lead for a program that figures prominently Nationally and internationally on a number of fronts, with the vision of creating the future of stroke care. Tell us a little about yourself and your work with the Calgary Stroke Program.
3: Sure, uh, w- wonderful. Basically, I guess my role. I mean, someone someone has to lead. A, this is a, a group of individuals who um, are, are really remarkable, and uh, you know nominally, I'm I'm leader of this program, but. Uh, Really, um, the way I sort of approach this is to lead uh, with a very flat structure and and, uh, just make sure that everyone in the group is growing and doing novel, unique things to move our treatment forward because uh, this disease, frankly, is so darn tough and uh, the Mm -hmm. impact for patients and families are so huge. So uh, yeah, I lead the program, but it it really is uh, a a team effort. This is very much a team culture.
0: That's for sure. Can you tell us a little bit about your background that led us led, or led you to this position?
3: Sure. So I, I um, d- did my uh, formal neurology training here in Calgary, and then I went to Texas, to Houston, did okay. uh, what we call stroke fellowship training in the late 90s, and I've been back here since 99. Uh, I had nice. a, a terrific um, uh, program director that I learned from uh, that was here until 2004, Dr. Alistair Bucken, and uh, then took over the program. Uh, at that point, I work very closely with my colleague, Dr. Michael Hill, who essentially we co-direct the program together. Okay. He, he he's director of the stroke unit and director of the program, but we work in a very shared culture of leadership. And there are many other individuals in the group right. that have leadership roles within our program as well. Mm-hmm. So, it's it's really a group, largely group consensus uh, leadership right. style.
0: It Sounds like a wonderful team to be a part of. Thank you. And we have Samantha with us as well. I think you prefer Sam, though. Yes. But I'll answer to both. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So you're the program manager. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your work with the stroke program. Sure. Um, I'm one of the many managers. I
2: am the unit manager of the stroke unit here in the Stroke Prevention Clinic. And uh, I'm working alongside with Andrew and Dr. Hill to... uh, I'm also part program manager of the Calgary Stroke Program. I bridge a lot of the gaps between ourselves and rehabilitation. We have many rehabilitation partners here in Calgary. Um, As well as before that, I am an RN by background, and I was a nurse on the actual stroke unit uh, for about six years. So I'm a neuro nurse through and through and especially focused on stroke,
0: and it is my passion and continues to be. Well, that's fantastic. And I'm sure your years as a neuro nurse really leads to making you an effective program manager for a stroke well, it program. It helps every now and again, yeah. <laughs> I bet. So the Calgary Stroke um, Program is considered a leading expert in many areas of stroke research and treatment. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure.
3: So, uh, you know, we, um, our philosophy here, we're, we're in, uh, an incredibly inquisitive group. And uh, we're constantly sort of challenging or thinking about this very challenging disease. And uh, as a result, uh, have really focused on a number of areas, but I, I, I'll stress two of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that for the most part, uh, where we as a group have uh, played an, uh, a significant role in the stroke field is in the area of imaging. Okay. So we... Um, st- um, If you think about stroke, there are um, very different people have very different strokes. There's it's a tremendous variability in the disease and Mm -hmm. the size, the location, what's causing it, where is it? All these things are uh, quite different, and um, yet clinically the patient could present uh, in a very similar way, even with a very Mm -hmm. different kind of stroke. And what levels the playing field is imaging, and what has allowed us now to Uh, really hone in on the right treatment for the right patient is imaging it's almost like precision medicine it's a bit of a i don't know if you're familiar with it but it's a term that's a catch term that's being used a lot more where we're starting to be much more selective about uh, treating a particular condition with a particular therapy and being more focused or designed for the that particular patient and so imaging does that in stroke. And so we do that with a couple of different imaging modalities, particularly. One is CT uh, scanning, right. and uh, most of the research we do has evolved around CT scanning. One mm-hmm. of the tools that we developed uh, is called the ASPECT score, A-S-P-E-C-T-S. The A in Aspects stands for Alberta,
0: actually. Oh, okay. and,
3: uh, and that scale was designed here in Calgary by my former boss, Alistair Buchan. And, right. uh, we've worked with this scale for 20 years and now it's used worldwide essentially by most mm. uh, stroke clinicians when they're looking at the scan to determine how much brain is already lost okay. versus and, and that can help determine whether a particular therapy is worthwhile pursuing uh-huh. and so uh, aspects scoring is used in most clinical trials now and is important in guidelines and things so that's kind of was our first sort of major accomplishment that has sort mm-hmm. of an international footprint We've done a number of other things with scales, uh, we're well known for developing imaging scales, uh, we've played oh, in the area of software development as well to some extent, wow. but uh, it's really been our work there and we were mm-hmm. involved in a lot of clinical trials with imaging and um, really see it as the window to understanding mm-hmm. what's going on in stroke and also to really target therapies best. And so that we're continues the other area that that we've more recently gotten quite involved with and have had a significant impact in is in clinical trials okay. so my colleague Michael Hill uh, is a terrific clinical trial doctor he uh, has a lot of advanced training in running clinical trials right. and uh, w- led the effort uh, of uh, the recent escape trial which was uh, uh, a major trial we did back in 2013 through 2015 uh, okay. evaluating mechanical thrombectomy where you pull the clots out of the brain
4: and really? this trial
3: was published in 2015 in New England Journal and was one of five major trials that really sort of established this therapy and uh, and so that was a that's a you know an important uh, improvement in the care For of sure. acute stroke because sure. up until that point all we had was tpa a, right. a treatment that can, and TPA works great if the clots are small mm-hmm. in certain arteries, but if the clots are large, it's very hard to ask an enzyme essentially to break up a clot in the brain and restore mm-hmm. flow. So the mechanical catheter-based treatment where you pull the clot out um, is the thrombectomy, and that really sort of right. reached the level of evidence in clinical trials that it needed to be in 2015.
0: That's amazing, and right here in Calgary. Yeah, so was, we're,
3: we're just fortunate to take the leadership on that particular trial. There were other uh, trials. Uh, in fact, we have a collaboration with our international colleagues uh, mm-hmm. that ran the other trials, and we, we do. We, we're, we're, we've got something called it's called the Hermes collaboration, where we're actually oh, okay. working with all the other trials. We've pulled the data of all these trials, and we're learning more specific. Things about Great. this treatment by okay. this large international collaboration and that uh, that in, in part has been led by my other colleague here in Calgary and Goyle an, an interventional radiologist that I work with so yeah there, it's a very collaborative effort and it's it's bridged countries uh, substantially now which is important to really move things forward you need to mm-hmm. to really kind of come together with data like this and uh, you know that the, these these trials are, were difficult to do. They, you know, right. There was a tremendous uh, involvement of patients and families in these trials. So we want to mm-hmm. make sure that we get all the information we can to help mm-hmm. the next generation of patients mm-hmm. so that they, you know, we know who is going to benefit from these treatments like thrombectomy.
0: That's amazing. Well, it truly is creating the future of stroke care with the world in- involvement. So the stroke program also talks about the fastest, perhaps needle, or door-to-needle time. So what does that mean in stroke care?
3: Yeah, so, so that, I would, uh, you know, I, I can't say that we are the fastest door <laughs> to time. In fact, I'm not sure who is.
0: Okay. <laughs> uh, but, uh,
3: I can tell you that uh, in Finland, some of the major uh, uh, accomplishments, or early accomplishments in speeding up the time from arriving at door to hospital, so a stroke patient arrives at the door okay. to hospital to receiving TPA needle.
0: Okay, so, the so that's needle what of that the first thing. Okay.
3: Um, traditionally, was a 60 minute expectation, and okay. more recently, that expectation has been to try to be faster and faster. Wow, and 60 minutes is. 60 minutes, so that was on the guidelines. Yeah. And, but now people are trying to be faster than that. We have goals in the province to be significantly faster than that. But really? I would say the Finns were certainly, in Finland, it was the first country where the, the speed uh, and and the processes were established to be quick. And we've, we've certainly learned from their experience and continue to all that and, and, mm-hmm. and, strive for 30, 40 minute door to needle times if we can. Sometimes, wow. sometimes there are clinical situations where you need to take more time mm-hmm. about this decision. I mean, TPA is a powerful clot dissolving medication and there are risks, including bleeding in the brain. Right. So one has to, you know, be as quick as you can, because the faster we get the therapy going, the better. Essentially, but right. we also need to be very careful about how we select patients for the treatment, because it does have, uh, um, you know, these risks associated
0: with them. So for sure, and I'm sure everybody appreciates that. So, another um, portion I read about was you, Dr. Uh, Demchek, implement the Canadian Stroke Trials of Optimized Results, or CASTER. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, that's
3: that's a, a CHR grant that's ongoing right now with uh, with my colleague Dr. Hill and, and and actually colleagues from across the country where we're essentially trying to improve um, our ability to perform clinical trials in stroke in the country. Um, you know, when you think about developing therapies for a disease, mm-hmm. the the bar that has to be passed is demonstrating the benefit of the treatment within a randomized clinical trial so okay. this is this is the bar we all really face mm-hmm. you know testing existing standard of care with the existing standard of care plus a new therapy right and uh you know you can only do that in trials to mm-hmm. do trials you need um, centers that have experience in this oh, and okay. the more centers you have that can do this with you a know, Uh, successfully, the Mm -hmm. quicker you can get answers to new treatments for for the disease like stroke. So we've made an effort in this to bring our colleagues together, also help in establishing more expertise around the country, around doing these trials. And then the hope is that at the end of all this, we're able to be more efficient in getting Mm -hmm. answers.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. So I've also read about an initiative for improved access to endovascular treatment for rural patients Um, on your website that I was um, looking through before this it says rural patients are now getting treated more often and faster uh, with time efficiency savings that have been implemented can you tell us more about this yeah
3: so so this is a, a real uh real provincial effort. So this this goes way beyond the Calgary Stroke Program. This is a wonderful uh, example of the province coming together, multiple stakeholders. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure how familiar the public is with the strategic clinical networks, but the province has had the foresight to establish something called strategic clinical networks, which are networks in in different uh, diseases Uh, where you work on a provincial level, on a provincial scale. So you have a steering committee of individuals across the province, and you work to improve efficiencies, whatever they may be. Well, one of our efforts after the ESCAPE trial and some of the other trials were published was we knew we needed to... Work on our access. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, this procedure called thrombectomy can only be performed in in two locations in the province, uh, in in Calgary and Edmonton. Right. So we need to we needed to figure out how we could improve our efficiencies and work with partners like stars and right. our provincial EMS and these things. And that's so we've essentially done that, and we have a a fair a, a fairly efficient system if patients call nine one one. Ah, okay. very so important. That's very <laughs> important. This is an ambulance-based, largely ambulance-based system that we put in place. Okay. Uh, where patients uh, if they're if they you know they're a nine, if they call 911, right. ambulance comes to pick them up. There's a scale that's uh, uh, performed, we've right. trained all of our uh, first uh, responders in Alberta or uh, we're training, we've trained most if not all at this point uh, mm-hmm. to do this and if certain criteria are met, then uh, a conversation is initiated between a group of physicians to decide on best mode and location of transport. Okay. And uh, we're able to do that in this province because we have this provincial framework to do that. And I think that's, uh, you know, I think that's a really good thing. And oh, it's, it's been fun. a very positive experience to mm-hmm. to set that up and, and make that work uh, well. So patients... You know, you know, we still have the challenges of geography and distances. Oh, sure. We do involve STARS, so please mm-hmm. buy your, your STARS lottery tickets. Uh, sure. STARS oh. has been a wonderful help <laughs> in this regard. They've, uh, they've transported many patients uh, with this pathway uh, quickly, and efficiently, to, to these, the two hospitals that can provide the clot removal treatment. But right. uh, very much a group effort this is, that goes well beyond, uh, certainly, the Calgary Stroke Programme.
0: Well, that's fantastic. And yes, there's so many rural areas in Alberta, and it stresses the importance of recognizing the signs of the stroke and calling 911, so thank you for that. And recognizing uh, the FAST, so the Heart and Stroke logo and yeah. slogan, the FAST, so
2: face, drooping, arms, mm-hmm. drifting, speech, is it slurred, and then to call 911, right? So to get this world-round treatment, this leading <laughs> treatment, you need to
0: call 911. For sure, and yet yeah, we can't flog that acronym fast uh, enough. You,
3: I don't know if you knew this, but there's some literature to suggest that in rural areas,
0: mm-hmm. the uh,
3: there's much lower rate of 911 call.
0: Really? And
3: uh, there's a lot of private vehicle use to hospital in rural areas where the 911 is not called. And of course, when that happens, the system isn't really set up ideally, right? So we mm-hmm. have certain hospitals that we transport patients. We have designated primary stroke centers in Alberta oh, okay. for giving TPA, and they are put in place because they have all the necessary technology, a right. CT scanner, TPA availability, et cetera. Right. Of course, a patient or family wouldn't know which hospitals mm-hmm. would have that. So when they don't call 911 and go right. private, they may end up in a facility where those, those, uh, those technologies are just not available. And right. so that it can introduce additional delays. So by how, by calling 911 in, in the province for a stroke symptoms, for FAST symptoms, F-A-S-T, right. uh, there's the best chance that uh, that things move through in an efficient manner time-wise.
0: Well, that's fantastic. So everyone call 911 if you suspect you or a loved one may be having a stroke. Thank you for that. So I saw that the Calgary Stroke Program also has a program in place where residents, students, and research fellows from around the world and from around Canada can come to Calgary to learn. What can you tell us about this program?
3: Yeah, this has been a a passion of the groups for a long time. Um, We feel very strongly that we need to train a generation or two of physicians in uh, stroke thinking, I would Mm -hmm. say, uh, stroke expertise. Okay. So, you know, and with most, um, in most specialties, there are subspecialties. So, right. for example, I'm a neurologist, uh, brain, right. brain internist, basically, type of thing. Yeah. And uh, within brain diseases, there are many subspecialties that one can do, epilepsy, right. uh, work with Parkinson's disease, et cetera. Right. One of those fields is stroke. Oh, okay. So we felt that um, we wanted to make sure that there were sufficient Places like Calgary to be able mm-hmm. to train Canadians in in learning stroke at a very high level as a physician, so that they can be mm-hmm. an expert in their local communities, and so we've been doing that basically mm-hmm. for the last 15 to 20 years, training several individuals per year in stroke. Mm-hmm. Some of them uh, are working throughout Canada now. Some of them are working around the world. It, it uh, you know they come from a variety of places and. And uh, they become mm-hmm. what I call stroke champions for, for their local communities and, that, and then they teach others and you get the multiplying sure. effect of that. Exactly. Which is uh, overall, I think we've hopefully had an imprint on stroke mm-hmm. care in multiple countries, I would
0: hope. I would think so. It's very forward thinking and only good can come of it. So with that, there is a lot of collaborative work. Tell us about some of the Calgary Stroke Program's partners. Yeah,
3: I mean they're really at multiple levels. I don't know where do you want you to even start <laughs> with that question. I mean we, you know, if I if you know at the provincial level, it's certainly Heart and Stroke Foundation yeah. and the uh, Strategic Clinical Network would be the right. two uh, key partners where where we're working mm-hmm. on the provincial scale. Uh, there, uh, Heart and Stroke obviously. There's the national side of things. Uh, there are right. best practices, for example, that uh, the Heart and Stroke Foundation leads. Mm -hmm. Uh, where we have several members of our group participate on that. That's where you come up with treatment guidelines to try to standardize care uh, in in the country for stroke. And these are available Mm -hmm. to all physicians and are often used and and quoted for for decisions uh, in certain clinical situations. So those are sort of the key groups. Uh, There's an organization called Canadian Stroke Consortium, which several of us are involved with, which also does a lot of physician related right. education and whatnot, okay. and, and some research. On the international scale, um, you know, there, there are different partners, but we, we work on it both at research level there, yeah. where we're okay. collaborating with colleagues in clinical trials. Clinical trials are quite often multi-country oh, efforts. Okay. right? Um, and um, so it really mm-hmm. requires a lot of work, you know, country mm-hmm. by country to, to set these things up. Um, to be able to then um, administer the trial and then of course uh, get to the result which is Mm -hmm. really critical for practice change
4: oh for treatment change
3: Uh, and so that's a big piece Mm
4: -hmm. and then we
3: have uh, obviously a number of international uh, you know organizations that we we collaborate with uh, including the world stroke organization and things
2: that's fantastic and uh, at a direct patient level here rehab Mm -hmm. our key partners here. We partner with Care West Dr. Vernon Fanning Center and they have okay. about approximately 50 stroke rehabilitation beds. So our patients who are admitted here on our stroke unit, okay. um, many of them do or many will go on to receive inpatient rehabilitation or rehabilitation of some kind like early supported discharge, community accessible discharge and all of those right. are partners in our program to help provide that expert rehab care
0: and mm-hmm. that's so important the rehab after mm-hmm. a stroke speaking both from personal experience and from the research yeah. i've done so yeah thank you any other partners that uh, bear mentioning at this time i know you said there's many
3: uh you you know uh, certainly we've uh, one of the one of the areas that uh you know that we're we're working on is uh the in rehabilitation. Uh, there's been some work on a national level with the Canadian Partners for Stroke Recovery which is a real effort uh, to uh, work on the science of rehabilitation and try right. to improve rehabilitation. I think that one of the great future uh, areas of growth will be in our understanding about how the brain rewires. Mm, uh, right. The rewiring process we're just scratching the surface and I think our understanding of that and I'm pretty confident we can do better in terms of understanding and helping or enhancing the brain's ability to rewire. It's a remarkable organ, (laughs) but it actually creates barriers to rewiring, particularly after a month or two. You know, we see early improvement after stroke which tends to plateau off after several months. There's no reason to believe we couldn't work scientifically and, and understanding that and allow rewiring to continue beyond that but that mm-hmm. that science needs to be done so there's some efforts there we've got a, a terrific uh, academic uh, stroke rehabilitation scientist sean ducolo here in calgary who's focused in this area of trying to advance stroke rehabilitation
0: oh that's fantastic and gives hope for people who may feel they have plateaued that there's always hope to continue moving forward um, the Calgary Stroke Program and many different staff, part of it, have received numerous awards and accolades for their work and research. Can you tell us more about it?
3: Uh, you know, we're, 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 <laughs> we're a modest bunch. Um, so, uh, you know, the, you know the, 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 I think the, 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 the only thing I would say there is that a lot of these awards are team awards, and I really right. like that. Well, there, it's there's, a
0: team effort, right? Exactly.
3: I mean, you know, when whenever it, this this disease is very time dependent, mm-hmm. lots of things happening quickly. The only way one can efficiently, successfully help a patient is if the whole link, the so-called chain of survival, is all right. f- fairly smooth with few bumps in the road, mm-hmm. and that's only possible with a large team. So. It's, you know, individual awards, yeah, sure, there are certain circumstances where I think that has absolute merit, but I think that the general philosophy in the group has been around this concept of team and and team Mm -hmm. culture, and that's both clinical and academic in that regard.
0: Well, you are a very modest group, both of you, so if you want to hear more about their accolades, check out the Calgary Stroke Program website, and thank you for your work on that. So one thing, when I was looking on your website, um, there's also a stroke prevention clinic that focuses on transient ischemic attacks and minor strokes. And the acronym for it is the TIARA program. Can you tell us more about that? Sure. Sure, yes, our TIARA program, so stands for uh, TIA Rapid
2: Assessment Clinic. Oh, okay. Uh, was born in 2013, actually, so it's been a while now that I think about cool. it. Um, and it really, the idea before my time, though, was uh, to find a different way to treat TIAs and minor strokes that don't need to be admitted to the units. Okay. So these patients are seen and emerged. They are diagnosed with, say, a TIA. Okay. Uh, their symptoms have resolved. They could safely go home on certain medications. However, they still require some diagnostic imaging. They need to be seen by a stroke-attending physician to see why they... You know, may have had the TIA to do some preventative uh, work, and so they come to our clinic uh, the next day. Usually, are seen by the stroke physician. They're sent home from emergency seen by our physicians the next day, and they can. They'll receive many will receive diagnostic imaging. Usually, same day is what we strive to achieve, and that way everything is call, all kind of wrapped up and completed on their one admission, and then their plan going forward, and it saves admission to the hospital, which no one ever mm-hmm. really wants to do, right? And it right. <laughs> seems, you know. That pressure on the system as well. Anything
3: else? Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, you know, the, the TIAS are they're they're essentially the warning strokes, or the mm. mini right. strokes, and uh, I, I sort of view them as the ultimate opportunity to prevent something mm. far more serious from happening. And so, right. and there there's very much a time element to this, which is a challenge, right? Because we're mm-hmm. we're coping in a, in a you know, there's the there's always the challenge of the volume of cases that we face and trying for to do sure. things in an efficient manner. So this has been one strategy to uh, allow for the patients are evaluated in the emergency departments and the urgent care centers and, okay. and do have some what we call vascular imaging done in many cases, depending on right. the symptoms. And then uh, if appropriate, they're, they're then seen in this clinic the following day or day, within 48 hours, basically, right. and uh, further tests can be done at that time. And that's really meant to try to identify we're looking for the group of patients where the risk is extremely high and that we need to right. do certain actions to mm-hmm. to try to prevent a, a more serious event. And so that's the effort made there anyways.
0: Well, prevention is key for sure to save even one person, but sounds like countless others, from having a full-blown stroke is amazing. So how would someone access your stroke program? Um, does everyone come through on... Uh, through 911 are there other ways to access it? So it is to
2: access um, unfortunately through 911, right? <laughs> yeah. Of course we would rather not to have to meet many of the patients we meet, right? right. Uh, so yes, that's primarily the okay. focus, but I mean to remember that for any stroke survivors currently out there, there are many different resources, especially in Alberta, and um, it's just it can be as easy as googling right? the different. Right. Um, resources out there, right, the Canadian Stroke Recovery Association, there's the Aphasia Recovery Centre, there's many different uh, community resources, especially if you've already had a stroke. Alberta Healthy Living has Stroke 101, Living with Stroke Classes that we do like to promote, and that's for patients and caregivers as well who have had a stroke or want to learn more about stroke, so that's accessible online. So there's a lot out there for resources, especially for the stroke survivors, but for the acute programs, unfortunately... (laughs) yes nine one one. so I mean,
3: there are referrals i mean it's a referral based system yeah, because we're, we're specialists so yeah, we, we need course. to be referred from other physicians either in a, in a family doctor's office or an emergency mm-hmm. or emergent care center and right. we have to triage in terms of how we address those admissions in terms of timeliness and whatnot and appropriateness but uh, uh, that sure. would it's a physician to physician mechanism of referral mm-hmm.
0: Right, oh, makes sense. And uh, I guess if you're in the Calgary area and you call 911, would they automatically bring you to Foothills? Uh,
3: there are certain criteria. So um, we are the stroke center for the, the Calgary zone, essentially. Oh, okay. And so um, um, if there are major stroke symptoms, mm-hmm. in general, the, the practice is to transport. Uh, to Foothills Hospital but it okay. again depends on there are cri- very specific criteria that mm-hmm. the uh, first providers are trained on that they make okay. that judgment and times a factor as well as the mm-hmm. neurological deficits that are seen when they examine the patient so the, the uh, stroke patients of course are seen in all the hospitals and and, and, right. and that's uh, there they're all the emergency physicians are certainly trained to address mm-hmm. that and, and will involve us if they see fit Oh, okay. Uh, in, in most circumstances. But there is a strategy around ambulances in terms mm-hmm. of uh, with certain clinical criteria for sure. Well, and it that's makes across sense. the province, that, that same, yeah. same approach.
0: Well, it makes sense. I mean, yeah, like you said earlier, is just sheer volume. Yeah. Right. It has to be right. spread out so it's manageable.
3: Yeah, we lose 1.9 million neurons per minute when someone's having a major stroke. Right? Really? Yeah. So wow. time is important. And no, do time not. does not start after the 911 call. Start, time starts from the onset of the stroke. And there are substantial delays sometimes between onset mm-hmm. of stroke and the 911 call. So some of this we mm-hmm. have no control over. And that's why these podcast conversations are important. <laughs> if we can get to 500 more people, 1,000 more yeah. people, and they can tell 1,000 more people about stroke warning symptoms and the need to, to call 911, Terrific,
0: and that's our hope and goal as well <laughs> so on that note you both are part of a team that is an amazing program to help stroke victims stroke survivors and their families and um, participating in leading research around the world so I'll go to Sam first any last words for someone who may be affected by stroke
2: um. Last words,
0: I'd say just keep going,
2: right? Mm-hmm. Uh, much like care for stroke is a team approach, uh, care after stroke is a team approach as well and that it affects not just the, the patient or the stroke survivor, but the mm-hmm. family and caregivers around them as well, right? And it's a yeah. team approach to really move forward because it you might be adjusting to a new normal in your life a new change right because you might not regain all function right you might be left with some difficulties or challenges so always there's those resources out there um always like i said you can go on alberta health services website to find some really good resources or people to reach out to and there's always someone there to help and to always
0: remember to just keep going (laughs) great thank you so much and dr demchuk any last words
3: yeah, I think that the key is to stay positive. I think, uh, mm-hmm. you know, depression is a common challenge after stroke. And uh, so if you can stay positive, stay focused, keep working on your recovery. Recovery mm-hmm. doesn't have to stop at two, three months. For you sure. can carry on. You just need to keep working at it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the, the nice thing about stroke is improvements are there. They they can happen. Right. They're They're visible. They take time. <laughs> Uh, But you can see them, and and we've seen them well beyond three, six months after stroke. They're usually smaller at that (laughs) stage, you know, but they still can happen. And I think that uh, it's that positive frame of mind that I think is really important for individuals.
0: I agree with you completely. And, yes, we as i've said many times before and i'll say again here we we can't choose what life throws at us but we can choose how we respond to it so thank you both for your words for choosing to be positive choosing to keep moving forward even if it's only a little bit at a time you're a wonderful team and you may not say you're the world's leading best but you are an amazing program providing hope to many and i really appreciate you being on the podcast today Thank you so much. Thank you very much.
3: Thank you. Did you know
1: that you can follow us on Twitter at 7Jars? We post daily with all the latest stroke research, innovation, and inspiration. Follow us. Now
0: it's time for the joke of the week. The Foothills Hospital hosts a wonderful program, but there are downfalls to working in a hospital.
1: Really? Like like, what kind of downfalls could there be for working in a hospital?
0: Well, you couldn't call in sick because your boss would just say, well, come on in, we'll check you out. Oh, brother. <laughs> well, I think it's fun.
1: Now it's time for our segment on survivor stories. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to share your own stroke or survival story, or your experience as a caregiver, you can submit your story through our website at 7 Jars of Hot Pickled Peppers, or personal message us on Facebook. We look forward to reading your story.
0: Survivor story comes from Deacon Chung, who was 43 at the time of his stroke. Here is his story.
1: It was the evening of June 24th, 2016. I was in the basement of my house. I did not feel well and was a little sick to my stomach. I decided to go to bed, hoping I would feel better in the morning. My bedroom is in the basement of the house. I decided to open the window to get some fresh air, as that would help me to feel better as I laid in bed. I picked up my phone and decided to call my brother. He said I sounded fine, and then I asked him if he could come and take me to the hospital, which was out of character for me. I decided to get dressed, so that I would be ready when he got to my place, and was sitting on the bed putting on my socks when I just fell over. I couldn't get up. Fortunately, I had my phone and I called 911. 911. I asked for the ambulance and the lady asked me why and I responded saying, I think I'm having a stroke. I then told her that I had to get upstairs to unlock the door and she told me not to move. I talked to her until the ambulance arrived. The paramedics came through the open window and got me in the ambulance just as my brother arrived. I was then taken to the University of Alberta Hospital in Edmonton, Alberta. I was in the ambulance and my head was just killing me. I told the paramedics that I wanted to sleep, and he told me not to, but all I remember is waking up in the hospital. I spent the next two months at the university hospital moving from emergency to high-intensive care before ending up in Unit 5A2. I had suffered a hemorrhagic stroke in my right basal ganglia. My family later told me that they were told that it was an inoperable location, and I would have to stop on its own. My brother gave permission for treatment to lower my blood pressure, which was needed to be done immediately. He was told to contact my mother as I may not survive the night. The bleed grew three times in size that night. I spent two months in acute care, not knowing how severe my stroke was. It was a tough time for me just laying in bed for two months. I later found out that I was not stable enough for anything else. My rehab started with just sitting up in bed and later in a wheelchair. When I finally progressed far enough, the Glen Rose Hospital accepted me and I started my journey there to today. I surprised my doctors by how far I've come, besting their expectations. I had no idea what might have caused my stroke to occur that night i've lost the use of my left side including some vision loss and feeling of touch and temperature i never knew that stroke left people with disabilities until now interesting is that they always promote fast and say that most get a full recovery if they get there in time i wish they wouldn't say that about recovery as no strokes are the same and no outcomes are the same.
0: Thank you for sharing your story, Deacon. All the best in your continued recovery. You and I both had hemorrhagic strokes, which is much much less common than a blockage. Fast should always be followed if you suspect you're having any type of stroke, but recovery between ischemic and hemorrhagic strokes can be very different, and... Like you said, no two strokes or recoveries are the same. Never stop fighting, though. Like Dr. Demchuk said in our interview, improvements can continue to occur in relation to symptoms long after the stroke. Every day might be a step forward. Soon, we will be having an episode on the types of stroke, and this may provide more information. Thank you, Deacon Chung, for the courage to share your story with us. Now it's time for our Stroke Link.
1: You know, I can't believe we have such an amazing program right here in Alberta.
0: I know. It's incredible. More people need to know about it.
1: I agree. If you go onto Google and type in Calgary Stroke Program, you'll find their website.
0: I tried that too. I wanted to learn more about it for myself and for our podcast.
1: Me too. And I clicked on the home icon and it took me to a page that had all the latest research, including news, articles, and videos.
0: So much great information. I clicked on an icon for families and patients. Again, great content. There's also a page for contact, but you do need a referral if you want an appointment.
1: We recommend looking up the Calgary Stroke Program, and we'll have a link available, as always, on our website and on Facebook.
0: Last but not least, remember FAST. F-A-S-T. Face, arm, speech, time. If you or a loved one experience any changes in your face, arm, or speech, time to get yourself to the hospital quickly. You can call 911 in Canada for emergencies, or for inquiries, you can call HealthLink in Canada at 1-866-408-5465 and talk to a healthcare professional.
1: Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube, and follow us on Twitter. If you have any questions, comments, jokes, or ideas for future topics, get a hold of us. We'd love to hear from you. You can also visit our website at www.7jarsofhotpickledpeppers.com. If you'd like to hear more about Christine's journey, her book is available for purchase. Find it on the website.
0: That's all for today. Thanks for listening. And look for the rainbow in your thunderstorm. Goodbye and good health.